but there are more important things happening in the world, and, uh, and how do we deal with the more important things happening in the world? And we're talking about consistency. One of the things that derails us is just kind of the circumstance of the world we live in, and it kind of gets us off track from where we're going, and, and being consistent <coughs> means having a set of things that we return to, a set of, well, practices that we return to that get us back on track, get us back on 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 the right place and moving again, even when the world's a little crazy. So um, one of my experiences that I had a lot of times in life, because I'm not bright, is, um, is the, uh, well, I, let me just give you one of them, and, and maybe you'll get it, maybe you've experienced this. Uh, so I have a friend who moved away many years ago, but we still get together on a regular basis, we're still friends, and he'll call up and say, and he's very busy, and he'll say, okay, and he'll name some date six months out, we're going to go skiing in such, such place, so save up your money, we're going to go there, and I'll meet you there, and, and we'll travel around, I'll go skiing somewhere. And uh, we usually invite, you know, one of our kids or somebody to go with us. And uh, so uh, a couple of years ago, we took our wives for the first time, and, uh, and, and, and we were skiing. And the first day, it was kind of a place we met. I'd never skied before, and it was really icy and wasn't really, frankly, all that much fun. But during the day, it started snowing really hard in, in a winter where they hadn't had much snow. And, and, uh, and by the third day, there was like, you know, I don't know, 18, 24 inches of really good snow. And so on the third day, we were skiing groom runs, which is kind of a waste of good powder, right, if you know anything about skiing. So I said, let's, let's do some other ones. And I'm not a great skier, and he's not a great skier, so we get along fine. And so we decided to take this little side run that hadn't been groomed, and, and uh, we're going along, and it wasn't too steep or anything. It got a little narrow down toward the end, and, and, uh, and I realized that I'm picking up speed, but I'm in the powder, and it's fun. And then I realized I picked up a little too much speed. And uh, a little more than I need and more than I can handle. And, uh, and in the deep stuff, you, you, you know, and I'm not a great skier, so in deeper powder, you can't just kind of do a hockey stop and, you know, get it under control. And it wasn't wide enough for me to do one of those long, you know, whatever. And so now I'm starting to panic, basically. And then just in time, I look up and see that my trail that I'm on is ending. It runs into another trail that's going this way. And there are nothing but trees over here. And this trail is groomed, which leaves a pile of snow right in front of me, between me and that trail. And, I'm, and I had an OC moment. Oh, out of control moment. And so, oh, out of control. You're going to be that way the whole time, aren't you? Because, I mean, I have some really good stuff here, but I'm not going to waste it on you if you're not going to. And um, so I have that moment where I know... I'm going too fast. And there's a really good chance that this is not going to end well. And so there is that moment where do I try to ride it out or do I bail? Do I just flop over in the powder and hit whatever's there and hope I survive? Or do I ride this thing out? You ever had one of those moments? Like I've had it on skis a lot. I've had it on dirt bikes a lot. I even had it on a tractor. That's a story that I'm not telling. But anyway... I bailed on that one and saved my life. But anyway, I'm just saying. So here's what happens. I tend to get in situations, not because I'm a risk taker, because I'm stupid. I don't realize my skill level doesn't match up with the situations I put myself in. Right? I, I do that all the time. And I end up having these decisions, these, these OC moments, out of control moments. And, and so I'm in one of those moments. And you know what? I was thinking about this uh, as I was preparing for this weekend. I was thinking about, I get those in life too. I get myself in situations Sometimes it's my fault, sometimes it's not, where I'm, it's just out of control. Things are just going too fast, they're coming too fast, there's too much happening, too many people messed up, too much stuff, and it's just out of control. And I have that moment where I have that thought, I should just bail. 
I should bail on these people. I should bail on this family. I should bail on this marriage. I should bail on this faith thing, trying to follow Jesus, because I'm never going to measure up. I should just bail on this thing. And it's in those moments where our consistent habits, our practices put us right back where we need to be. When I'm in that moment in life, when I, I want to just forget this, it's never getting better. It's not, I just want, if I will return to the very basic habits of Christianity, of my faith, I'll, I'll know what to do. And today I want to talk about one of them. It's the most basic. You're going to go, yeah, this is church, duh. Of course you're going to say that. But it is, if I were to pick, we're talking about this series about consistency. Because what you're committed to consistently, consistently is who you become. It's where you go. And this is so basic. And yet if we, out of all the things I know we could do in the way of, of practices, spiritual disciplines, if we could just do this one, we would see an amazing change in our life. We are living in, in so many cases, powerless lives because we don't do this one. If we could just return to this. And so the story ends up, by the way, that um, I decide that it's too narrow to bail, and, and I'd better write this thing out, and so I do what I know to do, which, again, I'm not a great skier. I just get down really far because I see there's a chunk of, like a little pile of snow I'm going to have to, you know, clear first and then figure out how to stop. And I just wrote it out and then put the brakes on, and my friend is behind me, and he looks at me, and I'm like, how I meant to do it. Inside my heart's going, <laughs> right? I've had those situations in life when I will just return back to my faith practices and just kind of bend my knees, this time in prayer. And I'll get through it and God will grow me in the process and I'll keep moving where I'm supposed to be. And that's when I talk about prayer. It's a duh, church, prayer. Yeah, I get it. But let's just be honest for a minute. If I were to ask you to rate your prayer life, how well you think you're doing with your prayer life on a scale of one to five, you don't want to say out loud what the answer is. Right? I don't. Right? All of us feel like we could be doing better with our prayer life. Some of it's guilt. Some of it's condemnation. Not appropriate. Some of it we just know that we would do better if we prayed more. Right? So I'm going to help us talk about that basic, most basic, but I think powerful skill, along with reading God's word, by the way, in, in life, uh, in Christian life, is prayer. And so I want to talk about it from a passage in Ephesians 6.18. And you can read if you have a Bible, phone app, or you can watch on the screens. Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. <coughs> I just want to break this passage down real quick for us. Pray in the Spirit. First one is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Depending on your theological background, you may think this means all kinds of things. But what it means is uh, allowing, at the very least what it means is, allowing God's Holy Spirit to come and work in us even as we're praying. So here's the problem with prayer. The reason none of us are satisfied with our prayer life, we feel like we could do better, should do better, ought to do better, want to do better, is because before we pray, we have to have a battle. And the battle is between our our knowledge of what we know we could do, should do, and, and would do if the rest of us would go along with it. So our mind and our will says, let's pray. And our emotions, our schedule, and everything else says, let's not. Right? Let's pray. And your emotions, ah, I don't feel like praying. I got too much to do. And if I don't get this done, people won't like me. And so we, what we have to do before we even pray is we have to drag our whole self into prayer. And so one of the things I would suggest, if you're going to pray in, in the Spirit, is allow the Holy Spirit to help you drag yourself into prayer. And just say, Holy Spirit, I want to pray. I need to pray. 
please help me actually pray. And so we ask the Holy Spirit, isn't it sad that we can't even go to pray without God's help? But it's okay. He understands. God, help me want to be with you. Allow your spirit to encourage me, to give me what I need to move into prayer consistently on a daily basis. This isn't about God, thanks for the food kind of prayer. This is about you and God being together consistently because that's, if we can return to that, uh, as Christians, this will sustain us. It will provide for us and and will help us grow. Um, But here's the problem. Uh, Oftentimes we don't feel like it. We don't want to do it. And so we have to kind of ask God to help us. Lord, help me get my whole self here in prayer. And for me, going to prayer means usually a similar time of day in the mornings, uh, same spot usually. And for me, I have to pray by writing my prayers because I'm too distracted by just anything. It doesn't matter. And, and so I write my prayers. And so I finally drag myself in. I don't feel like I don't want to do it. I got too much to do. Yada, yada. By the way, Dwight Moody, who's a great preacher, um, long time ago, um, would pray an hour a day, and then when he had a really busy day, he'd pray two hours, because he believed that he was more affected having prayed for two hours uh, than one hour, and it would help him think more clearly, make better decisions the rest of that very busy day. And so our emotion says stuff to us like, um, you're too busy, you don't have time for prayer, as if that's a waste of time, right? What I find in my prayer time is I I see my relationships more clearly, I see the solutions to problems more readily. And my ability to just kind of evaluate what's happening in my life is enhanced in prayer time. And so when I have a busy day, prayer is not an interruption to that or a hindrance to that. It's actually the best way to address that. My mind knows that. My emotions don't. My emotions, when I get to it, let's get it done, okay? So when I finally manage to drag my all myself with the help of the Holy Spirit into prayer, um, and then I, I begin to write my prayers. But here's the problem. My emotions want to be the most important thing in my life. My emotions want to control my life. You know, it, it went back, way, way back in the day when I was a kid, there was this, this phrase, if it feels good, do it. Right? If it feels good, do it. Well, we all know that's stupid. We tried that once, right? Yeah, that didn't turn out well. Right? <laughs> and so our emotions are always, they're always wanting to be the, the most important thing. And by the way, we've even learned in our, in our kind of therapy uh, related, and I'm not opposed to therapy, you know, psycho kind of babble kind of talk is, is that if I begin a, a, a sentence with, well, I feel, I can say about anything I want because you can't argue with my feelings, right? So we kind of use them as an excuse to get away with being big babies, right? Sometimes, not always, but hear me out. So I get over here, and if I can manage to even drag myself to prayer, then feelings are, it's like taking a little kid to church. Now, our church is great because we have a great children's program. I mean, we really do. We have a great children's program. They're knocking out of the park. We have more kids than we know what to do with. And, uh, and we, have, we have more in the nursery. It's great than we've ever had. A, so, but the church I grew up in, they didn't always have children's programs at every service. So sometimes mom and dad had to drag me into church, you know. And once you finally get the kids in there and get them seated, then what's the problem? They're not going to stay there. In my prayer time, my emotions are like little kids. Hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so I begin my prayers as I do every day. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And God, I can't wait to talk to you because I am so ticked off. My emotions just jumped out of the chair and jumped to the top of my list again, didn't they? Because they want to rule the world, at least my world. And so like a little kid, I take my emotions, put them back over here. We're going to get to you. Right now I'm going to acknowledge who God is because that's where I need to start. Because he's the center of the universe, not you. Right? 
I, so this is, I, I have to just be honest. I have, so because I type my prayers out, I have actually had to go back and erase most of my first paragraph of prayers on many days because I went from God to my emotions. God, so glad you're here. Thanks for this day. Now listen up because I've got a story to tell you, right? I am so upset. Just erase, 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 erase. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice with that. And God, you are great and you are good and you are just and you are kind and you are all powerful and yet you died for me. And so I have to reestablish what's important in the world. God is more important than my emotions. And once I've done that, then I begin to say what that means. I don't know who God is, but what that means to me. God, because you're just, you don't let me get away with the stupidity and the selfishness that I want to. And because you're kind, you lead me into a path of righteousness instead of destroying me, which I probably deserve. And God's goodness means this. And I'm so thankful. And then I confess the truth about me. I've got the truth about God. I've got the truth about what that means to me. Now I've got the truth about me. Here's the truth about me. I struggle. I struggle with this and this and this and this. And I just want to acknowledge that, Lord. I'm sorry that I do that. Please help me feel better. And now, Mr. Emotions, let's talk about you. And by the time I've gotten to that, my emotions are not only not the most important thing, they may have even become a little more in perspective. Because when I walked into my prayer time, I thought I was the center of the universe. Emotionally. I realized God's the center. And my emotions are just something that I need to deal with. Good or bad. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. And it becomes a grip with me. Now, as I do that, I not only drag myself into prayer, but I have to manage. It might be my emotions. It might be my imagination. Can't tell me how many times I've been praying and I start building something in my mind. Oh, if I built this. I was like, oh, time out. I'm talking to you, God. Sorry. I write down, build this later. And, you know, whatever it is. And then I go back to my prayer time because it's the most important thing in my life. It is the most. So one of the worst things that I could imagine is somebody coming to this church or any church week after week thinking that if they believe the right things, on a mental level, that they are living the Christian life. You're not living Christian. To be a Christian is to follow Christ. It's a relational thing. You need to believe the right things, but that's not the whole deal. You've got to have the relationship, and that's what prayer is. It's an incredible gift that we get to come and relate to, communicate with, talk to God. Here's what it says in Jude 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will help us want to pray, be able to discipline ourselves to pray. But what's even more important, when I <coughs> finally do get down to the emotional stuff, I actually need the Holy Spirit to help me know what that is really about. Because here's the truth about me, and I think a lot of men. I'm only really comfortable with about one and a half emotions. I'm good at anger, because that's manly. So I'm good at anger. So if I can reframe something, so like being hurt, I'm not good at being hurt because that's not manly. But if I can get mad about it, then we can talk about it. And sometimes when I want to say, well, I'm, and in my prayer, it's like the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not angry, you're hurt. Or another one that I'm not good with is disappointment. I don't like saying I'm disappointed because that makes me sound vulnerable, right? So sometimes in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit helps me interpret even what it is that I think I'm dealing with. And come to realize that oftentimes, at the end of the day, it is disappointment that God didn't treat me the way I wanted him to, or one of God's people didn't. <laughs> yeah, 
And sometimes I get down to the point where I deal with the emotions and, and then I pray and I ask for something and the Holy Spirit says, is that really what you want? Because the reality, we don't even know what we want. We're inculcated in a society which lives to want this, this, and this. And it's usually bigger, better, brighter, and it's not what you really want. What you really want, we, what we really want, and I could write a song, what you want, what you really want. <laughs> Probably wouldn't sell. But um, what we all want is to be loved by God. And to have a purpose that honors God on this earth, to make an impact on him. At the end of the day, that's what we really want. The other stuff is just gravy. That's what we really want. But we're so tempted to pray for all the other stuff. That's why we start with who God is and and, and what that means to us and who we are. And then when we get down there, we're ready to do some deep prayers and deep understanding, okay? And so when we ask the Holy Spirit to help reveal those things to us, it's a powerful thing because the Holy Spirit knows what to pray for. And so the Bible even teaches that we can ask the Holy Spirit what it is that we should really be praying for, what the real issues are on the deepest level. And if you want to really get freaky because prayer is not just a, okay, God, thanks, i got to get this out of the way. Prayer is actually an adventure with God. And if you really want to get serious about it, ask the Holy Spirit to help you know who to pray for in addition to yourself. Because the Holy Spirit might prompt you. You ever had this when you're praying and you just get this thought, I should pray for for so-and-so. And it might be somebody you know that's going through cancer or, or struggling in their marriage, or it might just be somebody you know and just and just have it. So I should pray for them. By the way, can I just encourage you to pray for them? It might be a prompting of the Holy Spirit that there's something going on in the life you don't even know about. It might even be a challenge on, on that specific day in which you just need to you just need to invite God into that situation for them. The Holy Spirit, see this prayer thing is an adventure where you and God are mapping out this incredible journey of life in which you not only make it to the other end and see God's glory in heaven, but you impact people along the way and you build this great relationship with God in the process. So that's all the first point. I have six more to go. Here we go. Um, Pray in the Spirit. And then it goes on in the passage in, in Ephesians. And it says, on all occasions. So pray in the Spirit. Pray all the time and everywhere. Pray all the time. How can you pray all the time? Every Brother Lawrence wrote a lot about this. The guy used to wash dishes and make shoes and, and he was a monk. And he talked about no matter where he was, what he was doing, he was able to have kind of an ongoing conversation with God. And, um, and I think this is, about, um, this is about us having an open posture. So, um, well, let's, let's illustrate it this way. So let's say, why don't you pick the people, three, the three people closest to you. If you're married, it might be your spouse. I hope she's or he's one of them. Um, it, it could be family. It could be best friend. Whatever. I want you to just think about this. Three people closest to you. How often do you talk to them? Now, my family, we all work together, so I talk to them all the time, multiple times a day. Think about three people. Not extended family, not quite as often, but still pretty often. I want you to think about the people close to you, three people close to you, how often you talk to them. Now I want you to think about how often you spend time with God and talk to God. See, if Christ is the most important person in our life, it kind of makes sense that we talk to him more often than anybody else. Not because we have to, not because we're getting brownie points, because he has valuable input, (laughs) right? It's about an ongoing posture of communication with God, an awareness of his presence. So my grandson and I, um, 
So we'll, after, after service today, he'll meet me and we'll go walk out to my truck where I park and, and we'll walk together unless one of the cars gives us a ride. But either way, he'll be talking. We will, we will have a conversation all the way there. Even if I can't understand everything he's saying, I'll nod and affirm because I know it's probably good stuff. And we just have this conversation. Walk to the park this week, all the way to the park. We talk. We have an ongoing conversation. Whenever we're together, there's a conversation. He might be playing with something else, but there's still going to be a conversation. And it might stop for a few minutes and pick up again. It's, it's an ongoing conversation. What it does is it not only grows our awareness of God's presence, it grows our ability to depend on God. Because when I'm talking to God, I find better solutions for my problems. I have more creative ideas about what to do about things. I, my life is different. My attitude is different. If you, like me, have um, major temptation on freeways with people cutting you off and so on, having an ongoing conversation with God tends to change my auto-responses. I have an auto-response, but if I am in ongoing conversation with God, my response might be different, if you follow me. And so a part of what is being taught in this passage is that we are to not only pray in the Spirit, but on all occasions. Listen to these passages, Acts 1.14. They all join together constantly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, rejoice always, pray continually, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It is a posture of prayer. My favorite story of this, and I've told it before, is it made such an impact on me. I was a little kid, maybe six years old. We took lots of road trips when I was a kid, and I remember sitting in the back seat watching my dad drive, and suddenly I saw him. He looked up into the rearview mirror, and he just said, oh, Jesus, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, help him, Lord, help him. And what, had ha what happened was that he had looked in his rearview mirror and seen an accident a quarter of a mile behind him. And it was a bad accident. And his auto response was to pray. I will never forget that. I was used to growing up here. My dad getting in the car and go, Lord, what a great day. Thank you for these beautiful colored leaves. Or thank you for the beauty of that lake, Lord. He would just say stuff like that out loud as we're driving around. And I thought everybody's dad was like this. Until <laughs> I heard one hit his thumb with a hammer. His auto response was not the same as my dad. <laughs> Who knew? When we're on, in an ongoing conversation with God, it changes our auto-responses. It changes how we react because we're in this conversation with God. We're going to talk to God about the movie we just saw, the television show we just watched, the interaction we just had with someone that we disagreed with because we're going to talk to God in the car on the way home about that. It changes the way we live. I want to suggest it greatly elevates and enhances how we live. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Not just to have an ongoing conversation. And how do you, well, how in the world do you do that? You can pray about anything. You can literally pray about anything. God cares about every part of your life, just like your earthly father cares about any part of your life. The word Abba, father, daddy. You hear it in the Middle East right now. You can hear kids calling, Abba, Abba, talking to dad. We can talk to our heavenly father about anything. Connie and I were out of town and kind of out in the middle of nowhere a few weeks ago. And, and um, kind of, I was walking around and stuff. I went to get back in the car and I couldn't find my keys. And so for an hour, I stalled. And I, I am going to walk over here and look at this. I'm going to look over here and do this. Couldn't find my keys anywhere. I did not want to have to admit that I lost my keys. But after a long time, I finally said, Lord, I need you to help me find my keys. And then I said, Connie, I need you to help me find my keys. The second was more embarrassing than the first, frankly. And guess who found my keys? God and Connie, because it wasn't me. <laughs> and, uh, and so... 
And so the next week, my wife comes up, and I, I called it the wrong thing last night. It's called a tile. It's a little electronic device you put on your keys. You can find them from your phone, right? But I think she's trying to sabotage my spiritual growth. <laughs> because I think she's trying to get me to depend on technology and not God. Okay? That's what I think is happening. By the way, I got a call yesterday, and guess who lost their keys? Guess who found them? Yes, I did. And guess who had a little tile on hers that had run out of battery? <laughs> ah, life is sweet. But anyway, so, um, does God care about my keys? I actually think he does. Is he going to make my life super easy? No, not necessarily. But I think God cares about it. I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere. I, there was no way I was going to have any keys. I was, you know, we couldn't leave. It was a mess. I prayed. I'm not embarrassed to say I prayed. Because I think God cares about all my life. Is he going to fix everything for me? No. But he might fix some things, and I want him to know about it. And we can pray about everything. So when we think about this, I want you to listen to this passage from 1 Timothy. It says this, in 1 Timothy 2.1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made, not just for your personal issues, not for the stuff that you're struggling, not just that, that included, but not just the, but for all people. So here's what you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, I'm going to pray, and so I'm going to pray at least 15 minutes every day this week. You get over there, and you start praying, and in about, in about three and a half minutes, you're done. You got It's all in. You know, you got nothing left. What are you going to pray for then? It says, pray for all the people. You don't have things to pray for. Pray for me. I need your prayers. Pray that God will be with me and keep me on track morally and financially and, and whatever, healthy, whatever. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the, those that you love. Pray for the, your responsible for spiritually and otherwise. Pray for them. Pray for people that care. Pray for the person who walks across your path at the store and just looks like they're having a rough day. Pray for them. It's okay. God cares about them too. And if our, you really want to get freaked out, listen to verse 2. I'll reread verse 1 and then I'll read verse 2. I you do then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. In our case, that would be president. Some of you just got a little sick in your stomach. Governor, mayor, people in authority. Do you know you're supposed to pray for them? We all thought we were just supposed to complain about them. It turns out, biblically, we're not just supposed to sit around and complain. We're supposed to pray for them. Expand who you pray for. Pray for people that you care about and those maybe that you don't. Maybe pray more for those you don't care for at all. Pray. Pray about tough circumstances and bad news in your life. Pray first. Pray, not last. Pray first. When you're worried about your job, pray first. When you have irrational fears, as I did this week, about the kids coming home from Guatemala on the plane, I just had this weird thought. And pray. We have one of the kids still there who had a medical issue in the hospital. And we need to pray that he, he recovers and he's going to make it home the next couple of days. And we think he will, but we want you to pray with us because God cares. It's not self-talk. There is a God, Almighty God, who cared enough to come and die for each of us. And we can pray. And it makes a difference. Matter of fact, it not only makes a difference in the world, it grows us. In Mark 14, 38, it says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So pray. Pray. Not only pray for everything and everybody. Pray habitually. Make it a habit. Because it is a habit or a discipline we turn to that will center you, get you back on track again. And one day, what will happen will be amazing. It says that, that we are willing, not spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. One day, you'll have an amazing thing. You will go to pray, and you'll be dragging your to-do list and your emotions and all the other stuff into prayer. And then you'll find yourself praying and acknowledging who God is. 
and you'll find yourself being thankful as you articulate all that God has done for you. And you'll be finding yourself relieved as you tell the truth about what you're struggling with. And then you'll find yourself unburdened as you begin to tell God what's going on in your life. You need to talk to me. And then all of a sudden those emotions that you've been dragging in here for weeks on end suddenly rise up and go, yay, I feel better. You see, we don't feel our way into acting. We act our way into feeling. Faith before feelings. And as I've done this for a couple of weeks, those emotions may join me. I go, you know, it does feel good to talk to God. It does feel good to know I'm on track with God. It does feel good to know that he's got a plan, even in the midst of these circumstances. It does feel good. And you do that for a few weeks, you've got a new habit that is the most important thing to develop. And if you do it for a few years, you've got a new life source, source that will sustain you for the entirety of your journey. And that's what prayer is. And that's what prayer is supposed to be. And that's what we're invited to. It's not a duty. It's not a chore. It's not getting brownie points. It's about growing in a relationship with the one who can change my life and direct it and guide it and empower it every single day. And that's why prayer is the key to consistency in everything in our life. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that we have this amazing opportunity to talk to the very one who created us. Not just to talk, but to interact with through your word. Lord, I, I am ashamed to admit how often I take that for granted. And yet, Lord God, I have never, ever once regretted having prayed. <laughs> no matter how hard it was to get there and no matter how defeated I felt coming into it, I have never once looked back and not been glad I spent time with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we as Christians would not just nod and say, yep, prayer is a good thing. And that we would not just people who pray in crisis, but we would pray as a habit, as a daily discipline that keeps us on track that keeps us moving consistently toward Christ's likeness and to who you want us to be. And as we become more dependent upon this relationship with you, Lord, you are then free to grow us by your spirit. And so I pray that you would enlarge our hearts. Lord God, that you would draw us near to you and that we would take great joy in spending time with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.